Hey, hi everybody and Happy New Year. Welcome to 2024. I hope for you it will be an exciting and prosperous year. I'm certainly excited about this year. I think it's going to be great. Now, what I thought I'd do today is give you a quick heads up on some of the enormous volume of changes that our new Labor government made last year, um, just to ensure that everybody knew they existed and were around. So a couple of things happened. Penalties. Uh, businesses can be penalised for non-compliance with all, all the regulations that we have. So what happened was their government went and raised the volume of penalties. So what happened was after the Optus um, and Medibank uh, data security um, problems, uh, privacy law penalties, so four defaults under the Privacy Act, went up astronomically and are now up to $50 million for a business if they uh, do the wrong thing. Um, now, I'm, I'm a little bit cynical and I think there was a bit of uh, sort of stars in their eyes and, oh, look, we can do some revenue raising um, when that change was made. But what it also did was put a precedent out there for the size of penalties and that was then adopted across consumer law, employment law and national law for health practitioners. So penalties have gone up a lot. Uh, what that means for a small business and a sole practitioner is penalties started around $250,000 now um, for sole practitioners. So yeah, um, it is worthwhile knowing what your compliance obligations are and aiming to comply with them. Uh, as a heads up, our regulators are not overly funded which means that when they're going to prosecute someone, they chase the people who are going to make headlines in the newspapers, which means that as a small provider, your risk is not as high in this space. However, what it does mean is if you get a communication from a regulator, listen to them, pay attention and find out what you can do in collaboration with them in order to get the result that they want because our regulators would much rather work with people to comply than they would to penalise people. Um, so if you ever hear from a regulator this year, be cooperative. Regulators are your friend. You do not want to be in their bad books. Um, online businesses uh, were headlined right at the beginning of this year. So influences online are in the sights of regulators like the Australian Securities and Investment Commission, who are particularly interested in finfluencers uh, this year, and ACCC, who are looking at all those consumer promises that people are making. So what's happening in the influencer space right now is there's lots of investigation into misleading and deceptive conduct, misrepresentation, profiting without appropriate licences, all of that sort of thing. So for example, fin influences are people who might say, oh, well, I've invested in these shares and that's made me this much money and wouldn't it be great if you did that and here's the platform I use from which I get an affiliate fee, but I haven't told you I get an affiliate fee. So where they monetize and they're seen to be given financial advice if they don't have a financial services license and believe me, that's a year-long process. It is extraordinary what you have to do to get a financial services license. Um, 
If they don't have all of those things in place, uh, they can be penalised. And in fact, one of them was jailed this year for inappropriate behaviour. Um, he was making a lot of money off people and it was totally inappropriate. So just heads up on that. Um, don't believe everything influencers say. Uh, and if you know any influencers who are skating on the thin edge of compliance, you might uh, suggest they go and get some advice and tidy up their little businesses if they want to keep them. Um, consumer law. So as I was talking about the privacy law, penalties have gone up. Again, that's happened in consumer law as well. So $2.5 million for individuals is actually the penalty under consumer law. So consumer law are um, as a provider of goods or services, whether you are providing to um uh, B2C, so business to customer, or B2B, business to business, you are covered by a whole lot of obligations under consumer law. Um, in B2C, there are nine um, consumer guarantees that you have to comply with in selling products. And for services, you've got three. So for the services, those obligations are to provide timely advice um, that's fit for purpose uh, with due care and skill. And if you don't meet those requirements, then you are breaching your obligations. And in that case, you are required to give a refund. So this is all tied up with whether or not you're required to give refunds. The other thing that happened in consumer law was on the 10th of November, all businesses, it became... Um, uh, it became illegal effectively to have unfair business contract terms in your contracts. Now, there are a vast number of businesses out there, both small and large, who still have standard form contracts, which include your terms and conditions on your websites, that kind of thing, that include provisions that may be considered um, unfair contract terms now. So unfair contract terms to be tend to be those kind of terms that are one-sided, um, things that you can't get out of. So for example, Employee Shore a number of years ago used to have a provision that you signed up for five years whether you wanted their services or not. And their fees were not cheap. So, you know, this was sort of like 15 grand a year for small businesses. It was a lot of money. Um, they were taken to ACCC. It was found to be unfair. However, after five years and numerous appeals, they've managed to get it to a point where their terms are no longer considered unfair. So their terms now are you sign up and if you want to terminate before your five years, uh, you pay after the first year, you pay 30% of the remaining balance and then you can exit. Now, the reason they got through that process over five years is they eventually put toward before the court evidence to show that they didn't make a profit in their first two and a half years of those services. And that's why they have the terms they have. So this is what you have to prove to prove terms are not unfair. You have to pr prove that they're legitimately required for your business and that they don't create a disproportionate um, detriment to uh, the other business you're dealing with or the other individual you're dealing with. Uh, under employment law, there were 
a massive number of, in, of changes in employment law. Now, I know most of the people here have small businesses or are sole traders, and, and this probably doesn't apply to you, but for the people you know who may not be up to speed, some of the things that changed in the last year are flexible working arrangements. There are now broader requirements to enable flexible working arrangements if your employee asks for them. Unpaid parental leave obligations changed and the impact of that is that rather than just being entitled to a 12-month period of parental leave and the ob the impact on the business for parental leave is that you have to keep the job open for the person who's on parental leave. They can now take that parental leave um, with a flexible component and they can take it over a period of up to 24 months and the flexible component can be a hundred days. So if you've got someone working part-time, a hundred days could be 30 weeks, half a year. So you could have someone now on maternity leave for two years effectively. Um, so just being aware that there are quite significant changes there. There are also quite significant changes in paid parental leave. So what's happened with paid parental leave? This is an application to the government. You don't get your normal salary. What you do is you get the rate that the government pay, but you do get paid parental leave for up to 20 weeks. And that, that entitlement is now open regardless of the sex of the parent. So you don't have to be the birth mother anymore. You can be a you can be a partner, and that can be a same sex partner as well. Um, in fact, there's all sorts of complicated provisions around divorced partners and their partners. So it can cover up to four people now in that whole process. Yeah, it's extraordinary, but it is entertainingly first in first served. So if you claim 20 weeks first up, no one else can claim paid parental leave for any of the any more weeks. So it's it'll be interesting to see how it plays out in actual application. Um, there's increased bargaining and agreement making arrangements uh, in businesses, which I'm sure the unions are delighted about. Um, minimum wage has gone up again, and it's about to go up 6% this year. Now, just out of clarity, minimum wage applies to those people who are not covered by an award and doesn't apply in the awards. So some of the award rates are lower than what the minimum wage is stated to be. Um, and that is an area of confusion for business, I know. Um, what else have we got? Uh, there's heaps. There's like 15 changes to employment law this year. So I won't go over all of them. Um, one of the big uh, or two of the big changes that I'll cover, um, paid family and domestic violence leave. Every employer now gives their employee an entitlement, regardless of whether they're casual, part-time, full-time, whatever, from the first day of employment, every employee is entitled to 10 paid days family domestic violence leave per annum. So it, it doesn't accumulate, it's not paid out at the end of employment or anything like that, but Every employer, we now have to make a um, reserve to cover potential paid domestic and family violence leave for employees. Um, and the other one that I was going to mention was, 
Oh, the obligation to provide psychosocial safety. And this is another one which nobody knows is how, how it's going to play out. But now if you own a company or you are an employer, um, you have an obligation to provide psychosocial safety to your workforce. Jeanette, it's very... Include, does that include contractors or just employees? Um, workers. So it includes contractors. Mike, I don't care, mate. All right, you, you can go and lose your brain, mate. I'm not providing you with psychosis. No, I'm kidding. Um, so, yeah, it's a big deal and it's very hard. There are There's some publications that they've put out about, you know, best practice on how to provide psychosocial safety, but it's really, it's a massive um, sort of change for work forces and it's going to be very hard because people just say oh I've got anxiety or mm. I've got this or that or the other and they've never disclosed it before so one of the things that we're doing with employers at the moment is putting a provision in employment contracts to say you have to disclose those sorts of conditions if they are likely to impact your employment at the start oh. of employment mm. um, one of the things we are also advising people is if your business is big enough to have a first aid officer then you should have someone trained in mental health first aid as well um, so you should be looking to make sure you've got mental health first aid qualifications in your business as well as first aid standard first aid so Jeanette can I just is yeah that go ahead Rob. Of the, is that regardless of what your size is so if I yep. if I've got a company with just one employee um, I have to have it yep right yep yeah. It's workplace so, health and safety obligation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and it, but it, it's proportionate in terms of your ability and what you do provide and all of that sort of thing is proportionate. But if you have nothing in place and disregard for your employees, you'll be in trouble. Um, if you have, yeah, there, there's going to be a whole lot of, I anticipate a whole new workforce in this area, training people on how to provide psychosocial safety. Yeah, presently, I think it's, what, 63 people a week in Australia are taking their lives. There's about um, eight to nine people a, a day, and it's over 70% of those are men, so it's definitely an area we need to look at. Mike's got a question, but uh, anybody else who's got a question after that, put up your virtual hands, and that way we'll make sure we get to everyone. Mike? Yeah, I just wanted to know, on the domestic violence, is there a, um obligation for reporting on that? No. In fact, the obligation is that any leave paid on the pay slip not state that it's domestic and family violence leave. Okay. It, 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 there's, there's protections around um, uh, confidentiality and not mm. putting the person seeking leave at risk and all of that sort of thing. Um, so it, it's actually, it's an obligation to pay it, but you're supposed to keep it very quiet at the same time. But does the, does, does the person need proof? Has there got to be a police report or anything like that? I don't know what the specific areas of proof are, but I can tell you if you push someone for proof on that, you're likely to get slapped. Yeah, true. Um, yeah. You know, if someone says, I'm in this situation, uh, it'll yeah, you're going to have to be very, very careful if you want to challenge them on it. A number of people that I'm talking through the Campfire Project, the business of smiles and everything else that are going through things, and that's not just Australia, it's worldwide. It's, you know, and, and this is why this is why this has come in, is because the government's gone and said, okay, these people are most of the time 
operating under the radar, have no resources, no protection, um, and no support. So that's their way of providing minimum support is obliging employers to do it to start. And Mark, you might be able to answer this one for me with the work that you've been doing with the sleeping out with the executives, etc. cetera. Uh, was it 100, uh, over 100,000 people in Australia that were uh, sleeping on the streets or in the cars? That's right. Yeah, that's right. And a lot of those would be coming from domestic violence and not just financial issues. Yep, right. yep. one of the biggest, uh, the, the highest growing rate of homelessness in Australia is women over the age of 50. And this is why we need to get past the stigma of around mental health issues, understanding that, understanding the causes of it and changing the way in which we do things and why emotional intelligence is far more important in business today than IQ. So EQ outstrips IQ every time. Yep. Yeah. Any other questions at all? Or, Janet, you got something else there to say? Um, someone just said, do I have a document? I have a very, very simple document that has just headings on it. I don't have a – there is – for all of the employment law updates, if you have a look on Fair Work Australia, they've got actually a nifty infographic um, explaining what changes were made and when. It, it doesn't explain how they work, but it does show you what sort of changes came in. So the regulators are trying to be helpful. But, yeah, that would be my first um, point of call for the employment law things is have a look on the Fair Work website for changes in the last year. Excellent. Thanks very much for that. And thanks, Jay. You're on the record there.